Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I am Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get the Talking Tide podcast at our Twitter feed, which is Talking underscore Tide. You can get quick links to all of our podcasts right there on Twitter. We're also live on Facebook and YouTube twice weekly during the football season and, of course, Apple Podcasts. Just about anywhere you like to get a podcast, you can find Talking Tide. Travis, uh, we jump right in on this edition to talk uh, Texas A&M, preview edition, midweek edition, the Crimson Tide on the road for this one, 4-1 and one on the season, 2-0 and oh in SEC play. Texas A&M with an identical record, identical SEC record, 4-1, and 2-0. and oh. This one will kick at 2.30 Central Time at Kyle Field over in College Station. Of course, a CBS broadcast and a homecoming of sorts for Jalen Milrow, Travis, a Texas native uh, who goes back to his home state. He joked earlier in the week that he's got some uh, – uh, some Texas fans earlier in the season, he joked he had some Texas fans in the family. I imagine he's got a few Aggies in that family as well. Uh, but uh, he, he, I got the sense from him anyway uh, on Monday that this one means a little more to him. It should, you know, his first career start came against the Aggies a year ago. Uh, he made that start against Texas and Alabama trying to avoid the Texas two-step, I guess you could say from the Aggies and the Longhorns, uh, in this, in this season. So, um, you know, that's feels like, a, a another huge start for Jalen Milrow. Uh, every game is a referendum. It seems like on not just his viability in terms of the short term future, but big picture. When you think about the position at Alabama. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he, he's, his play has certainly improved since the Texas game. No question about it. Uh, of course, he didn't play at all against South Florida, but Ole Miss, um, I, I thought he was sharp there, played very well against Mississippi State, even though there wasn't a lot of volume there, only 12 pass attempts uh, for Milroe. And, of course, Ty Simpson took over late in the fourth quarter of that win over Mississippi State. But uh, you kind of want to see – we kind of know what we're going to get from Alabama's defense at this point, Travis. They've played, I think, consistently enough. And, yes, the Texas game in week two was a, a glaring exception. Uh, but aside from that, uh, it's been a pretty consistent defense, especially pass defense. You feel like you know what you're going to get from that defense a little more. You don't quite know what you're going to get from the offense, but that's not just Milrow. You don't know what you're going to get from – the line uh, don't quite all together know what you're going to get from the receivers. Although I think they've been more consistent this year than they were a year ago. Uh, but, you know, between the, the long snapping issues, uh, some, some of the issues that they've had blocking, um, notwithstanding last week against Mississippi State, I thought the offensive line played its best game by far in that one. Uh, but you'd like to see them string together two or three in a row um, before you really uh, kind of put some money in the bank in that offense. Yeah, it seems like the stars for the defense have come out as we anticipated they would, whether it's Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell taking another step. Kool-Aid McKinstry's been very good. Terry and Arnold has taken another step. Malachi Moore has been very good. You anticipated Caleb Downs being a huge factor as a true freshman. He has lived up to it. 
Um, so really on that side of the ball, the star power has been what you thought it would be. Offensively, not as much. You're still waiting on quarterback consistency on a week-in and week-out basis. I think J.C. Latham, when you talk about the offensive line, okay, yeah, he's pretty much been what you thought he would be this season, but you're right. The interior has been a little bit of a in flux. I think Tyler Booker has been good, uh, but between McLaughlin and Dahlcourt and that other guard spot at times, certainly left tackle, you're still working two guys at that spot. You said it with the wide receivers, the consistency has been better. Um, you know, the the drop rate, has, I think, has been down. Uh, but, you know, who's the guy, really? You know, it, games like Saturday's come down to a drive. Uh, Jermaine Burton limited last week at Mississippi State. Perhaps he'll be full go this week. But, you know, if Alabama really needs it right now, who's that guy in, in that wide receiver course? So, absolutely agree when it comes to uh, – kind of where they're at on each side of the football, uh, there, there's a difference there. And, you know, I think fortunately for them too, the kicking game, Will Reichert's been what you would expect them to be. And James Burnett has gotten even better. So that's been a big part of it too. Yeah. Burton only like, I think, nine or 10 snaps maybe in that game uh, this past week against Mississippi State. So that was uh, somewhat of a surprise. And, you know, the, the Ja'Cory Brooks disappearing act continues, Travis. Just a couple yeah. of catches for him on the season. Talking about a guy that led Alabama in touchdown catches a year ago with eight and uh, was right there with Burton as Alabama's leading receiver in terms of catches and yards. Seems like this staff right now uh, is, is a little more comfortable, I think, with Malik Benson out there. Yeah, we've seen more of Benson of late. In fact, when you looked at their starting trio against Mississippi State, it was – pretty much different from what we had seen to to this point of the season. So it's good that they have five or six guys that they feel good about. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, and, and didn't really expect them to have a 1,000-yard guy in that bunch, but thought they could have a couple of 700-plus guys, and maybe they still will. Uh, but it really hasn't played out that way to this point. No, it hadn't. And, and I think we're seeing – and I mentioned this, I asked Saban about this a couple of weeks ago in a press conference. We're seeing more and more and more of Robbie Utes, it seems like, Travis. Uh, last couple of games, he's played a lot of football. Seems like th this staff has decided he's a hard guy to take off the field uh, because of what he brings in the in the game to the game as a blocker to help out a line that could use some help. And they, if they go 12 personnel, they seem to like him and Dupree in there together. That's a right. tandem at this point. When they go 11 – it seems like it's more Amari Nyblack. But I, I thought all three of those guys gave them some really quality snaps last week in Starkville, probably more so with Dupree and Oots as blockers. I thought Dupree was exceptional in that regard. And then Nyblack gave you some of the splash plays uh, as a receiver against State. Um. Test for Alabama on the road with that line and the snap issues, Travis. And uh, obviously there was one big mishap last week on the road against Mississippi State. Nick Saban comes up every week with Saban. Sometimes he doesn't even wait for the question. Sometimes he volunteers. He, he, he preempts it. Uh, but yeah, the exchange between McLaughlin and Milrow uh, has just got to get cleaned up fast. I can't imagine – that something that simple being a problem all season long. Maybe it will be, but we're getting near the halfway point now and we're still talking about it. 
And, uh, you know, Milrose handled it, I think, exceptionally well. Um, if you go back, he, he's actually made some big plays off of bad snaps this season. Mm-hmm. So, um, for a young quarterback, I don't think you can ask much more of him in terms of how he's dealt with these snaps that have been high, have been low, have been wide uh, here and there. But they've got to get that uh, corrected. And and the worst thing you can do is have a pro. It's bad enough for that to happen at home when something like that happens on the road. It's it's a double whammy. Yeah, he got glossed over last week. You know, Kool Aid's fumble his muff of the punt early and then the shotgun snap that was an issue that easily could have been recovered by Mississippi state. Uh, those things get covered up when you go up 14 to nothing and you kind of control things from that point forward. But that is, we've said is whistling by the graveyard. You know, you, you can't do that week in and week out. You certainly can't do it against better teams, which I think right now, Texas A&M is a better team than Mississippi state. So, you do that against uh, uh, the Aggies on Saturday, I, I got to think the chances of you surviving both of those situations is very minimal, and the likelihood is you don't survive either. And as a result, uh, you're very much in a four-quarter battle for your uh, lives, and you know that's a tough place to be in a place like that because this is a, this is a rejuvenated A&M team right now. You know That loss against Miami seemingly took a lot out of A&M in week two, but the back-to-back conference wins, um, Max Johnson stepping in there and playing well and place of Connor Wiegman and knowing that the last time Alabama went out there, A&M was able to get a win with Zach Calzada at quarterback. Uh, there's a lot of belief for A&M right now, but that, you know, that's a continuing theme more so than I can ever recall since the very early stages of Nick Saban's tenure. It's like week in and week out. Now, every one of these teams, seem really confident that they can beat this Alabama team. And it goes back to last year. It's not just this year. seems like every since Tennessee last season, every week in the SEC, hey, these guys we can get now. You know, it it goes to kind of the mystique and the the advantage Alabama's had that way for so many years. It's it's not the stronghold that, that Alabama once had. If, if you watched uh, Lane Kiffin's post-game presser after the loss in Tuscaloosa, you could read it on his face. Crestfallen. He thought this, he he thought this was going to be the year. Uh, Even the more than last in. November when Ole Miss thought they had a great shot at home yep. with Alabama coming off LSU. Yep. That was an he, – he feels like he's lost two in the last ten months because that was a November game. This was in September – I mean, he's had two good shots in 10 months, and he knows he should be at least, in his mind anyway, should be one and one. A lot closer in Oxford last year, certainly, than they were in Tuscaloosa this year. But but the point's well taken. If I if I remember right, Ole Miss had a one-point lead even this year yeah. in Tuscaloosa at the half. So they yeah, were right I mean, there. They, they, they left points on the table in the first half. I know Alabama can say maybe the same thing, but – you know, they missed that short field goal right before the break. Or it's a 10-6 game. Sure did. All right, Max Johnson, as you noted, Travis stepping in for Connor Wiegman at the quarterback position. Played well in a win over Auburn last week. Didn't seem like that A&M offense missed a beat. Anaya Smith, that wide receiver, an outstanding player. Evan Stewart, too, though, Travis. Evan Stewart, his numbers are pretty much right there with Smith's. Uh, and he's got four touchdown grabs this season, so – couple of tough receivers to deal with right there. Uh, but 
you know, the, the, the trust factor, I think, in this secondary and with this pass rush is, is pretty high with this coaching staff right now. Uh, the, the run defense is, I think, a couple of steps behind the pass defense right now in terms of effectiveness. Uh, but right now, uh, Alabama seems pretty well equipped to take on a good passing team. They are. Now, Anaya Smith, he's another level going from Tulu Griffin to Anaya Smith working in the uh, working in the slot. So, you know, that's going to be a big challenge, whether it's Malachi Moore in the nickel or if they're in dime and Terry and Arnold moves in there, that could be his guy as well. I mean, we saw what Anaya Smith did to Brian Branch in College Station a couple of years ago and in that game. And he's been very good in this series and he seems very motivated based on his words <laughs> this week. So, yeah, I mean, but you've got those corners playing at a high level. Malachi's playing at a high level. I think your safeties you feel pretty good about. I think Jalen Key is maybe the question mark in that back end as much as anyone. And I don't think he's a bad player, but ultimately it's going to be, can Alabama get Texas A&M into obvious passing situations and then can Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell against those A&M tackles get home? You know, if they can do that, Max Johnson is not a Redwood back there. Uh, he's an adequate runner, and he'll run sometimes when you're just not thinking he, he's going to run, and he'll convert some plays. Um, but they they need to be able to really affect Max Johnson, who if I have a, a sort of knock on him, is that certainly compared to Connor Wiegman, the ball doesn't come out as quickly or no. with as much zip or RPMs on it. Wigman's got some zip. There's no doubt about it. They, he's, he's got a, an NFL. He's got some energy. Yeah. Yes. Energy as they like to say it, but his ball whistles, no question yeah. about it. Uh, Deontay Lawson, the Alabama linebacker, Travis, we'll see what happens with him. Of course he missed last week's game with an ankle injury. Nick Saban uh, today on his uh, teleconference, uh, noting that uh, he's back at practice, but Saban was pretty tentative about what Lawson might be able to give Alabama on Saturday in College Station. Said the same thing about Terrence Ferguson, who's coming off an injury himself, but also is back to practice. Lawson, obviously, uh, more of a key guy for Alabama. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a play, you, you'd like to have the guy you trust the most call in the fronts and, and handling the signals at linebacker on the road, especially at a place it can get as loud as Kyle Field. Uh, so Lawson's ability to uh, participate or not participate in this game is, is, is could be a pretty big factor. It could. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Trez Marshall, you know, coming from a system basically identical to what Alabama – employees. Uh, I think I feel pretty good about him if he's needed in that role. Uh, but, you know, there's some give and take, too. If you go dime and you want to leave Marshall out there because you feel better about how he can make those calls, you might lose something in terms of athleticism and sort of range and the ability to play in space in the dime if you leave him out there and take Jihad Campbell off. So there's some things to consider, too, from that perspective. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll see how it all plays out. All right, the ticket man and the Vegas man. Travis, real quick, updates there. Uh, pretty pricey for the primo seats, and you'd expect that at Texas A&M with them sitting 2-0 and in SEC play, hosting Alabama. 
Uh, right now, the, the nosebleed seats in the upper decks at Kyle Field, they're about what you'd expect. They're going for $150 to $200 online, of course, at last check. Uh, but uh, the prime seats between the 40s and that lower bowl, uh, I, I saw a couple at 500. I saw a couple at 1500. So uh, the boys are, are definitely looking to make a killing. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in so terms that, of uh, it's a bounce back game for the Texas A&M ticket, man, because after that Miami loss, even though it's Alabama and you expect to do well regardless, I'm not sure he was expecting this, right? Right. Pretty right. good. No, he, he wasn't. He wasn't. And uh, um, it's a little bit of a clawback game, I think, for the man with, with Alabama coming in. A lot of excitement, obviously. And, you know, that Miami loss was obviously a damper and a downer for Texas A&M. But if you're 2-0 and in the league, you still got a lot of juice, I think, uh, with that fan base. They're looking to get over the top in the West this year if they can. The West is wide open, Travis. I mean, it could be Alabama. It could be Texas A&M. could still be LSU. Um, a lot can happen yet. So, um, Texas A&M, uh, definitely likes, uh, their chances. Uh, even with Connor Wiegman out, you get the sense that Texas A&M feels like this might be their year to kind of get over the top in the division. Uh, the Vegas man, Alabama, Travis, a two and a half point favorite in college station. The over under is 47 points. Um, you know, Generally speaking, I've always kind of liked that two and a half number to lay because it's just short of a field goal, and and you, most games are going to be decided by three or more. Uh, if you're knotted at the end, you can cut you cover that two and a half with one kick with five seconds left. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm with you. I feel a lot better about three uh, at two and a half than I do three three and a half. Back in my you know in a in an earlier life, anyway, I did. Back, yeah, back in uh, in uh, your days of worst decisions. Yes, when the man uh, did some of his uh, light work where I was concerned, you know. So think about that over-under at 47. seems a little bit low, uh, although with, with, with Alabama's offense, you know. I think maybe, it's just right. Do if, you? If I'm thinking a score prediction right now. I'm thinking mid-20s wins it, mm-hmm. um, 23 to 26, a 26-23. One, so you know, again, for me, he's right on it at yeah. 47 40. He, he's gonna make you make a decision, you know, and a lot of times you're not gonna be able to sleep well with it. I snuck in another jab on him last week yeah. uh, with that, well, with that under. You got your ticket, uh, let's see your winning ticket. It's uh, it's in the pay, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. the man says of that. Yeah, let's see, <laughs> yeah, right. you got your ticket on you. Uh, <laughs> that's fair that's fair yes I, uh, i'm just providing a service uh, I'm now just, travis it's, it's a, a psa exactly it's a, it, yeah it's a reader yeah. service yeah we uh had tennessee south carolina under 64 last week and it looked terrible uh right when the alabama mississippi state game kicked off i was watching that game on the laptop right before that alabama kickoff just to see how it's going South Carolina scored a touchdown with about 11 minutes left in the third quarter to make it, I think, 31-17. So that's 48 right there with almost a whole half to go. And I'm thinking, that's that that's dead. And uh turns out uh, they slowed the scoring down just enough for that under to come through. Uh, this week I like LSU laying six and a half at Missouri, Travis. They're on the bounce coming off of that loss to Ole Miss. Uh, I happen to think – 
I've always felt like that Missouri home field advantage is a little soft, maybe. And, uh, you know, it's I think LSU is the more talented team. They're on a bounce back scenario coming off the L. And and uh, I don't think Mizzou has, has played a lot of teams. And so you put all that together and and I, and I know you like them home dogs, but you put all that together and I'll take the road favorite. Yeah, you know, those home dogs can have teeth. And sometimes, you know, the the road team can win, but uh, a lot of times it's tight, you know. So I can see LSU winning that game uh, by six or more, you know. You might have to sweat a little bit this week, good Brad, on that one. You sweat every week with these things, (laughs) no doubt. Even when you're just providing a service. service. Yeah, I like that. You sweat either way. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Going to thank a couple of our fine sponsors right now. First, we're going to tell you a little bit about Heat Pizza Bar and that fantastic pizza that Frank Fleming and his staff is serving up over in Government Square in Tuscaloosa. Hey, if you're looking for a great place to watch the Alabama-Texas A&M game this Saturday in Tuscaloosa, can't do any better than Heat. They've got flat screen TVs all over the place uh, and uh, super, super pizzas, signature pizzas, great sides, salads, and a full bar. Uh, you cannot beat the atmosphere over at Heat Pizza Bar. Try those jalapeno poppers, too. They're some of my favorite in all of Tuscaloosa. Great daily specials as well. That Thursday special, pepperoni or cheese for just 8 bucks from 2 to 6 p.m., also $3 off on cocktails from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. So the next time you're in the mood for some great pizza, go see Frank Fleming and his great staff at 2256th Street, downtown in Government Square. Going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Get by there for the weekend. They're going to have those hand-dipped chocolate strawberries dipped daily for you at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Of course, that chocolate-covered popcorn, the signature item for decades now at Peterbrook Chocolatier, and those chocolate footballs. So you know you're going to have a get-together of some kind this weekend. Make it extra special. Make it Peterbrook. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network, the Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. Give us a follow there. Give us a like on Facebook, a subscribe on YouTube, and we'll get you through this season with twice weekly podcasts uh, on the Crimson Tides 2023 season. For the back end of the show, as always, Travis, we'll look around the SEC. We'll dive into that too deep tumbler before we get out of here. Uh, But really the game of the week, Travis, Kentucky at Georgia, Kentucky undefeated, just coming off that big win over the Florida Gators. A lot of people excited about that one. Georgia has looked beatable more than once this season. Going to be real fun to see if Mark Stoops can go in there and hang in there with the number one team in the country. I think they can hang in, even in Athens, even at Sanford Stadium. I mean, we saw South Carolina do it a couple weeks ago. Win the game? Yeah. It's a little bit of a different story. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Georgia winning that game. But, uh, you know, Kentucky keeping it close enough that uh, maybe Mark Stoops in the next week or so gets another an ex- another extension at UK is a guy that feels like at this point, Chase, he can pretty much coach football uh, at UK and live in Lexington as long as he wants to. 
He'll go out on his terms, I think. Uh, no doubt about it. Mark Stoops had putting together uh, some strong years at Kentucky, stronger anyway than uh, most people would have imagined. Uh, I like Georgia, too. I think that number's 13 and a half. I'm not positive of that, but I think so. Probably like Kentucky with those points, but I do like Georgia to win the game. Uh, LSU at Missouri, we touched on that one already, Travis. Uh, you know, Brady Cook's had a nice year for Missouri so far. Again, I think there's early schedules been a little on the soft side. I do like LSU to bounce back there. Forget the spread. Who do you like to just win that game? I went blank. Who are we talking about? LSU, Missouri. Okay. We're back to the Tigers, the two Tigers. Um, I like LSU again. As I said earlier, I think LSU wins the game. I don't know if I like them to cover that on the road. Yeah. Gotcha. And then finally, going to touch on Arkansas's road trip to Ole Miss. The uh, Rebels coming off of that huge win over LSU, just utter delirium in Oxford coming off of that victory. So they're riding pretty high. Arkansas has had a tough stretch uh, with Sam Pittman, uh, Travis, for sure. Um, who you like there? I, I think I like Ole Miss at home, but I'm not going to be shocked if Arkansas hangs in this thing and gives them all they want. Yeah, I can't Ole Miss handle it. And it's been two emotional, physical weeks. Uh, not just for, for Ole Miss, though. I mean, it's the same thing, and Arkansas has been through a lot. I mean, the, the comments from Sam Pittman a couple weeks ago after that draining LSU loss and uh, then to, to lose another emotional rivalry-type game with Texas A&M, it's a what's left in the tank for either of these teams, it kind of feels like. So I'm going to go with Ole Miss. Um, you know, I, I just think the, the firepower right now, offensively, especially, you know, I think A&M what held Arkansas to under 200 total yards. So, uh, I'm going to go with the, uh, I'm going to go with the homestanding rebels. All right. We're going to jump in that two deep tumbler really quickly. And, uh, then we're going to get out of here on talking time. That'll be, uh, that'll be a wrap. Once we get through that, let's see who's going to come out of here today. Who we got? We've got. That went well for a change, getting a ball out of the tower. Number 40, Kendrick Blackshire, the inside linebacker for the Crimson Tide. Travis uh, has played more football overall this season than I was kind of expecting, frankly. Um, he, he's put himself into that mix for playing time, rotating with. Marshall and and even before Lawson went out, we were seeing a lot of Kendrick Blackshire. Yeah, and he's another Texan, so it's appropriate this week. He's going back home too. Uh, he is a guy that I think has done a nice job of sort of evolving and as much as anything, just staying healthy because the first couple of years that was probably as much of an issue for Kendrick Blackshire, similar to Deontay Lawson, unfortunately, as far as making a run at legitimate playing time, but. Give him credit. You know, Justin Jefferson comes in from the junior college ranks. I think a lot of people anticipated seeing him on the field uh, at this point in the season. That hasn't happened because guys like Trez Marshall and Kendrick Blackshire have been able to, you know, maintain their reps. So uh, good player, good special teams player when he's been in that role too. But uh, I'll be interested to see if, if he's still in that mix on Saturday if Lawson is out. Do we continue to see him rotate in there? I think Campbell of the three is somehow, some way, the guy you probably try to figure to keep on the field the most. But um, I still think there's a place for Blackshire, too. Yeah, Jefferson, we've really only seen on special teams 
to this mm-hmm. point in the season. Blackshire, a guy who's, you know, to me, he's kind of built and kind of plays like the old school inside linebacker Travis, who's a little bit more of a gap filler, um, yeah. kind of an common kind of upfield player as opposed to a lateral guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's difficult for that style of linebacker to play in this day and age in college football. So if nothing else, you tip your hat to the guy uh, for getting on the field when uh, the, the passing game, uh, the way it's played in, in college football now, all the perimeter stuff you see, the RPOs, it's, it's well-suited for linebackers that can go sideline to sideline, work in open space. Um, and that's not to say Blackshire can't, because I think he can. Uh, but he's built more like a Reggie Ragland, you know what I mean, Yeah. Uh, than anything else. Yeah, I, I think uh, Blackshire is more of a base and nickel guy. Um, when you get into the dime, that that's where I, I don't see him translating to that package. But – maybe more so than I would have before this year because I've seen some things from him uh, outside the tackle box that make me think he could get by. Mm-hmm. But is that an area where he's going to excel in linebacker play? Probably not. And he's also not a guy in the dime that you think about kicking out to the edge, right, and bringing him after the quarterback. Um, so probably a two-package guy at this point, but he's been solid. He has. He has. He made a nice play against Ole Miss on a jet sweep in the second half against the Rebels uh, for a tackle for loss. Kind of saw it coming before the snap, saw that jet sweep motion coming and started sliding before the handoff even came and, and uh, made a nice play in the backfield. So, uh, you know, he, he's made some noise on the perimeter, no question about it. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talk It Tide podcast. Thanks for joining us. And be sure to join us once again on uh, Sunday night. Travis and I will reconvene to recap Alabama's road game at Texas A&M. Until then, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. And we'll talk to you this weekend here on Talking Tide.